Jesus was talking to his disciples. You'll remember the passage. Jesus says, who, who do the people say that I am? And some of the disciples say, well, they say you're a good teacher. And some would say, well, they say you're a prophet. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And then the dialogue, it begins to shift. And, and Peter and Jesus are talking. And, and it becomes evident that Jesus has a very important question for Jesus. And he says, do you love me? Remember this? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And then he says, no, no, do you love me? And as, as we've studied this passage in the past, he uses a different word for love. And it's just like saying, do you, do you really love me like this? And yes, I, I love you, Jesus. And then Jesus has the audacity for the third time to say, do you really love me? And he describes it this other way with this other word. And, and I could almost hear the exasperation in Peter's voice as he says, yes, God, I, I, I love you. Maybe... Maybe, Jesus, I don't love you the, the way I should, but, but I love you. You know, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, if you love me, then, then feed my sheep. In other words, if you love me, obey what I'm telling you to do. We've been in this series for the last couple of weeks entitled Encounter Jesus. And it's important for us to know why we are here. And I believe God has, has put these messages on my heart as I've been pondering and thinking about this passage of Scripture that I just shared with you over the last month. There's a lot of things that people say about Jesus. We could refer to Jesus as just a, a good guy. We could refer to him as a religious leader. We could refer to him even as the Lord and Savior, the Messiah. But Jesus is asking not just Peter. He's saying, do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you love me? And, and as I, we, our response is, yes, Jesus, we love you. He calls us to something. Now, I don't think that Peter was, was hearing this, and, and I don't think Jesus told Peter these things because he was a little bit light on his ego that day. It wasn't that Jesus needed to have his self-esteem boosted, but he knew that, that Peter needed him so much that if Peter didn't really love him, if he didn't understand who he really was, then it was going to be a detriment to his life. As we started this series, we looked at Jesus the Lamb. It was two weeks ago. Maybe you had missed a week or maybe your memory gets fuzzy like mine. And, and the whole intent, I believe, that God is leading us through is to understand that I can't have a, a, an encounter with Jesus, a vibrant relationship with Jesus, unless I see and meet Jesus the Lamb. You remember, Jesus the Lamb, He was provided for us. He's the sacrifice for our sins. And not only was he provided for us, he was 100% pure, made of one thing, love for the Father and love for you, love for me. And, and he was not only provided for us, he was not only 100% pure, he was perfect without error. Now, I'm absolutely convinced that a major reason why some people don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus is they, they haven't encountered or they don't want to continue to encounter Jesus the Lamb. You see, if you don't feel like you need any provision for your sin, then what's the use of having a relationship with Jesus? If you're not so interested about not only having Jesus be 100% pure, but he calls you to live like he lives, if you're not very interested in being made of one thing, of love for God, and which in turn helps you love others, then, then maybe you don't want to encounter Jesus the Lamb. If you don't really need or see the need for a perfect one without error to lead in your life, if you don't want to be called to the standard to be holy as he is holy, then maybe you reject an encounter with Jesus the Lamb. 
But I, I want to suggest that, that maybe we come to a place, Jesus, I, I know that I've sinned. I know that I need you as my Savior. I need you, Jesus, as the Lamb. But this goes on another step farther. Last week we saw Jesus the shepherd. Remember this? We saw that Jesus the shepherd, he provides for us. He's not just provided for us in himself, but he provides things for us. He is our provider. I think sometimes, as Christians, we can love Jesus here, and we may even love Jesus by what we do, but our heart is far from him because we feel like, hey, listen, Jesus, thanks for saving me from hell. Couldn't do that. Thanks. But I got it from here. When I die, I'd like you to come back in, you know, and make sure that, you know, we're on the heaven train, but, but, but we kind of got it from here. I'm not so sure, Jesus, that I need you to provide these things for me in my life because I kind of kind of got under control. If you don't see your desperate need for the provider in Jesus, then this relationship won't make much sense. But he was not only providing for us, Jesus protected us. He offers us, Jesus the shepherd offers protection for us. We talked about the rod and the staff. Remember the rod that is protecting us by defending us from the enemy? Most people like this. But part of his protection in Jesus the shepherd is the staff protecting us from ourselves, protecting us from our own dumb decisions. And Jesus corrects us and trains us to, to love us. Well, I, I don't know if I want to have that kind of encounter with Jesus. I just want to be, be saved. I don't know that I want to go that far. I don't need to be a holy weirdo. Jesus the Lamb is okay, but Jesus the shepherd, he, he's providing something for me every day. He's protecting me, and then he promises us some things. Mercy and grace and life everlasting with us. He, he's given us these promises. Now, I want to suggest to you today that if we really had vibrant relationship with Jesus, it would change everything. Now, I'm not trying to say you don't have a vibrant relationship. You, you probably do. In fact, there are some here today, as I share this message, you're going to go, Hey man, Brady, that's what I'm experiencing. That's it. Then you just let it be a testimony to the Lord. And I think there may be a very select few here today that, that you don't have any relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, this is your day. It's going to be awesome. But I think there's a, there's a good portion of people who, who you have relationship with Jesus. But I believe he's calling you to a deeper, a more vibrant relationship where you begin to not only see Jesus the lamb and Jesus the shepherd, but we're going to have an encounter with Jesus the carpenter today. I want us to look as we look in Scripture to see four ways that Jesus, the carpenter, understands and connects with us. We not just have this, this one who has been sent to cover our sin debt. He's not only the one who provides and shepherds and cares for us daily. He's also the one who has walked in our shoes. He's also the one who is fully God and fully man at the same time. As we look at this, I want you to see this first of the four things that Jesus understands as we have this encounter with the truth of Jesus being the carpenter. The first one is this. Jesus understands your temptations. Every temptation you and I face, he knows what it feels like. He is there to support us. He's there to help us. Look what scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Anybody here been tempted lately? Anybody? Anybody tempted to lie in church? A few? I mean, it's not even noon yet, and, and we've all been tempted in one way or another. Temptation isn't sin. Don't confuse these. It's an invitation to sin. But, but you and I, you, you look human to me, we, we are tempted all the time. And we are not called to fight that temptation in our own strength. And yet, if we don't have this vibrant, fresh relationship with Jesus, temptation becomes a great point of worry for us. Because we face temptation, we need help. We can't fight that temptation on our own. You cannot do it. I cannot do it. And what we read here is that Jesus wants to help us. We read that he has been tempted in the same points, the same categories that you and I have been tempted. And it's that grace, it's that mercy that he extends to us when he comes to us in time of need. Now guess what? Who is it that sits on the throne of grace? Jesus sits on the throne of grace. The one who knows what it's like to be human. Fully God and fully man. The one who lived among us. The one who knows and understands and feels what we feel. Now, you need to understand this. We need to be reminded of this. The enemy, the devil, Satan, he is the accuser. And so when we come to the throne of grace, it's not the accuser who's on the throne of grace. That would be Satan. It is Jesus, the one who sympathizes with us. The one who is interceding to the Father says, Father, I've been there. I've walked through that. I know what this is like. He is on your side. He believes in you. He loves you with his very life. He loves you. He says, come to me, child, and I will help you. Now, Paul writes some powerful things in 1 Corinthians 10. Listen to this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's common to all mankind. He will give you a way out. Now this verse is thrilling. It's encouraging. It's powerful for us. Here's why. See, it's saying that the enemy's temptation, it's not that unique. It may feel very specific. Specific, easy for me to say. It may feel very specific to you when you're going through it. It may feel very pointed, but it's not all that creative. It's not all that unique. It is common to all mankind. His temptation is not all that powerful. It's powerful, but not more powerful than the one who lives in you. The attack of the enemy, it's not that effective if we let Jesus be Lord in our life. The temptation, it's not subtle. The flesh is not so weak that there's no chance for hope. No, he who knows, he who understands, he who feels the temptation that we have felt provides a way out for you and me. You don't have to be a victim to temptation anymore. Now, here's the truth. If you listen to this, you can have an encounter with the truth of Jesus the carpenter today. And if you really open your heart, it can radically change your life forever. Here's what it is. It is possible for you... Not to sin. Say what? You heard me right. Encounter Jesus the carpenter. It is possible for you not to sin. I want you to chew on that for lunch a little bit. For me, not to sin. He says he will provide a way out. You know what that means? You don't have to stay stuck in the habitual disobedience over and over again. I believe God wants to start 
some encounters with him, Jesus the carpenter, this morning. Now hear me correctly. I did not say it's impossible for you to sin. That's not what I said. What I said and what this passage is telling us is that it is possible for you not to sin. You see, if this wasn't written, if this wasn't true, then you and I would be victims to temptation. And when we would say things like this, well, I'm only human. What do you expect? It would get us off the hook. But when we understand, when we begin to see that Jesus is making it possible through a relationship with him for us not to be stuck in willful disobedience, this thought of, hey, I'm just human. What do you expect? Is not taking responsibility for the free will for the choice that God is given to us. But check this out. We don't have to be victims to that. We can be victors. God's word says that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. Amen? See, I think Jesus is wanting to say, when are you going to talk to me about your temptations? So many of us will declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart, but we don't really want this relationship with Jesus the carpenter to say, Jesus, this is hard. Jesus, this temptation is coming at me again. Somewhere we buy into this fact that if I was a good, holy Christian, like Pastor Brady was talking about, I would never, ever have any temptations. Hogwash. If you are alive and breathing, Satan is going to try to devour you. He will tempt you at every corner. He wants to destroy you. And we are to talk with Jesus about the temptations. He understands. He's been there. He is sympathizing with you. He not only understands your temptations, he understands your work. You see, Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter longer than he was in full-time ministry. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, isn't this the carpenter? See, they knew Jesus as the carpenter. The local carpenter. You see, work is a major part of our life, just as it was for Jesus. Many of us work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and Jesus knows what it is like to be in a place of work. Work can be a place where we have great satisfaction. It can be a place of great frustration. And Jesus knows what it's like to have great frustration in work. See, they didn't see Jesus like we do. They didn't see Jesus as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, flannel board cut out of a guy in a white robe they saw jesus as a carpenter if this was happening today they would see jesus with jeans or carharts on he'd have a tool belt around him they'd see a a hanger excuse me a hammer hanging swinging from his belt they they saw him and as he was preaching as he was teaching they said aren't you the carpenter he knows what it's like to work he had blisters and calluses on his hands He knew what it was like to lead at work, to try to get others to work. He knew what it was like working with people who only wanted to take shortcuts. He knew what it was like to work with people who only wanted to play. He knew what it was like to work with people who wanted to lie and to steal and to cheat. He knew what it was like to work with religious people who only wanted to lie and steal and cheat. He knew what it was like to work with people who made their job their life. He was a carpenter. So when you and I are going to look at Jesus, we need to see this one who understands. And I believe he's calling out to you today. When are you going to talk to me, my son? When are you going to talk to me, my daughter, about the problems, the challenges, the mountains at work? Jesus, I believe you exist. I believe you died on the cross. I'm okay with Jesus the Lamb. 
Jesus, if, if I'm taking a step in the wrong direction, I'm okay with you being Jesus the shepherd. He says, I am Jesus the carpenter. I am the one who sympathizes with you. I'm the one who's been there with you. When will you talk to me about what you're feeling, what you're going through? I am very real in your life. And I am here to help you. Whether your work is as a stay-at-home mom or a homeschool teacher or at the office, or at the factory, or as a traveling whatever you do. Jesus knows what it's like to be at work in the pressures of that. He knows your temptations. He knows what it's like to work. He also knows what it's like to have real human relationships. Look what it says in Mark chapter 6. Then they scoffed. (laughs) I like that word. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. Scripture tells us basically that Jesus has four brothers and a couple sisters. And you know, that family just got along together perfectly all the time, right? No. Jesus understands what it's like to have sibling rivalry. Jesus would understand what it was like to have jealousy in the family. Jesus would understand what it was like to have tension in the family. He understands everything that you and I go through in our relationships. Listen, single friend, Jesus knows what it's like to be a single adult and try to live pure and try to to seek contentment in a godly way. Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus knew what it was like to be uh, tempted sexually. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He had the same temptations that every other man has had. You say, well, he doesn't know what it's like to be married. Yeah, he does. What do you mean? Well, Scripture says describes him as the groom, and he is married, he is the groom to the bride, the church. He knows what it's like to be cheated on over and over again. As the church cheated on him over and over again, Jesus knows those kind of relationships. He understands everything that we go through. Look at Mark chapter 3. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and to talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. (laughs) Just a few verses before, Mark gives us some interaction with his family. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Jesus knows what it's like for his family to think that he was crazy. In essence, to to betray him. When your family thinks you are crazy, when your family appears to be turning against you, Jesus says, I know what that feels like. Jesus had friends, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and guess what? They had expectations of him. They expected that that if he would have gotten there on time, that their brother wouldn't have died. Jesus did not meet their expectations He didn't get there in time. And you know what? They rebuked him. They rebuked the Son of God. Let me tell you something. Anyone here today having trouble meeting the expectations of your family, of your friends, Jesus knows what that feels like. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a friend, Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. Scripture says that the Son of Mary wept. It's interesting to me, why didn't the Bible say the son of Joseph wept? 
Some scholars tell us they believe that Joseph probably died when Jesus was younger. And if this is to be true, then Jesus knows what it's like to put his arm around a grieving mother. He knows what it's like and the human relationships we have with the pain, with the ups and downs, with the hurt. He understands your relationships. So let me ask you the question again that I believe Jesus is asking us. When are you going to talk to Jesus about the relationships and the challenges that you face? He's calling out to you. I am not only the lamb. I am not only your shepherd. I am the carpenter, the one who has walked where you've walked, the one who understands everything that you are walking through, and I am here to help you. I just kind of want to get out of hell, Jesus. I I didn't sign up for all this. And he says, but there's so much more. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you really love me? I said yes. Then, then let's move in this relationship together. Then, then do what I tell you. And this is not about stroking the ego of Jesus. This is about this vibrant relationship. John 15 says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you, Jesus is telling us. There is this ongoing vibrant relationship with Jesus the carpenter. Jesus understands. He feels He knows what you're tempted with, what you're faced with at work, what you have in your relationships. And the last one, he understands your pain. He understands both types of pain. He understands physical pain. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus understands physical pain. So whenever you are dealing with physical pain, know that Jesus has been there and he has felt the intense pain that you have. There's some of you in this room that you live with chronic pain that most in this room probably could not identify with, maybe have never experienced it at that level. While I cannot honestly stand up here and tell you that I understand, that I can, I can have this deep understanding with every pain that you feel, Jesus knows what that's like. And he says, Father, I've been there. I wanted to do your will so bad, and it hurts so bad, and the pain was clouding my thoughts. And Jesus, I'm interceding to you on their behalf. Today, he says, friend, I'm here to help you. Believe in me, yes. Obey me, yes. But I want a relationship with you. The very pain that you're walking through today, physically, Jesus knows it. And he says, I am here to help you and to walk with you. He knows emotional pain. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. See, Jesus experienced Enormous ridicule. Ridicule because of his birth. He was born in a stable and supposedly to the people around him, born as an illegitimate child. He was called all kinds of names. He was turned away, you know, because nothing good can come from Nazareth. But Jesus says to us in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friend, Jesus is asking you today, when are you going to talk to him about the physical and the emotional pain that is wreaking havoc 
on your body, on your soul, on your emotions. The one who knows. The one who understands. The one who feels your temptations. Who, who is, knows what it's like from the pressures at work. The one who has had the kind of relationships that you're in. The one who has experienced this pain. He's calling to you today. I have help for you. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is what Paul's talking about. This is that relationship with Jesus. Well, there it is. That's all I have to give you from Jesus today. And I, I, I just have a sense that, that God has planned an encounter for some of us here today with Jesus the carpenter. I asked you to imagine with me earlier what it would look like if everybody in this room had a vibrant relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not even saying this whole room does it. I'm just saying imagine if that was taking place, what would happen? I think we talk differently to each other. I think we would do things differently. We may go places that are different. We may invest differently. We may begin to Shut out the lies of Satan differently. I believe there's some here today, maybe a handful, who you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know, this is the best day to meet Jesus. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I think there are scores of us in this room. You say, Brady, I've got a relationship with Jesus. I love Jesus. It's Sunday. I'm in church. Why do you think I came? I came because I'm a Christian. Good. I'm not even suggesting that, that maybe you don't have relationship, you just have religion. There may be some who have religion, and if that's what you got, trade it in. This is so much better. But I think there's a host of people here today that you have been living with such a wealth of Jesus at your fingertips that you've not been cashing into it all. He's calling to you and saying, my son, my daughter, I have provision for you. I have protection for you daily. Not once, 20 years ago. Every day. I understand. I have, I have this, this deep understanding for you today. And we're not going to hang out long, but I'm going to ask Pastor Edgar to come. And if you're here today, and you sense that God is speaking to you, I'm going to invite you in just a minute, not yet, in just a minute to come meet me at these altars, and, and we're going to pray here. If you can't kneel, the whole front row is open. All the way across. You can come have a seat. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to come pray together. And we're going to allow Jesus the lamb. Jesus the shepherd. Jesus the carpenter to meet with us. He is here to help you. Some of you. You desperately need Jesus to wrap his arms around you today. Others of you. You've been trying to earn your way to God. Jesus I believe in you. Thanks for like you know getting me out of hell. This is good. But I got it from here. So when I die, kind of show up because I want to make sure you vouch for me to get into heaven. But until I die, you know, I'm going to kind of, you know, punch the spiritual card by going to church, but I kind of got this. No, you don't. I had a friend tell me a couple weeks ago what God was speaking to them. He said, if you don't have freedom in your heart, probably something's wrong. Is there not joy in your heart? Is there not freedom in your heart? Jesus wants that relationship. And so if God's speaking to you, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come and we're going to pray. 
And if you're going to move, you're going to need to move right away. We're not going to hang out and do this like 10, 12 times. We're just, if that's you, God's speaking to you, don't let me talk you into it. It's like a neon sign in your mind. That pain, that hurt, that area you sense that Jesus wants to be Lord in your life. And we're just going to pray together. And so I want to ask you to have that encounter with Jesus, the carpenter. If that's you, as Pastor Edgar leads us in this song, I want you to step up, step out, and I want you to pray here at this altar. Well, Brady, why can't I just do this at my seat? Sure you could, but I don't know why. Jesus, whenever he called one of his disciples, he said, come, come, follow me. There was something to, to putting feet to our faith to stepping out. Often when Jesus would heal someone, he would say, come here, come here. What do you want me to do? He would call us to, to put action to what he has. God speaking to you, I invite you to meet Jesus, the carpenter, here at the altar as we sing. Let's obey God together. Let's do that right now.